It's another Sunday night watching the superstars fight. You know it's what we love to do. Talking about NXT or WWE, and we can't forget about AEW. Viewers' choice on the North South Coast. Viewers' choice on the North South Coast. Viewers' choice on the North South Connection. North South Connection fans, welcome into Viewer's Choice video special edition here for Fastlane 2023. I am JT, joined by, of course, one of the co-hosts of Viewer's Choice on the North South Connection, not the Toolman producer, Tim Taylor. Also joining us, Mr. Ryan Gray and our new buddy here, Richie Mars from Retold. And, of course, he has his own great stuff he can tell us about as we go along. But we are here to chat Fastlane we are live on YouTube and Facebook. Um, so I want to ask you a couple of favors. A, to share it around if you're watching and you're like, this is cool, share it. Uh, also, leave some comments in the chat and we'll read them on air. We're going to share your thoughts as well on the show in addition to ours. Um, and then also leave any thoughts about the stream itself. So Fastlane was tonight. It was a pretty tight card. It was only like five, ma- five matches, I think. It was yeah. moved along pretty quickly. I think we'll all thank WWE when we get an under three hour show to offset the longer shows that we get in other months. Uh, so no complaints there at all. But uh, Tim, do you want to walk us through how the night went and we'll kind of pepper in some thoughts along the way? Of course, of course. Well, if you're first time, long time uh, listening to viewers choice, usually you catch this just on the audio feed through the North South connection uh, podcast feed. But of course these times they are a changing. And of course uh, video is always great. So if you're here watching on YouTube, like, subscribe, don't miss anything. There's plenty of content going around. But if it's your first time listening to Viewer's Choice, we kind of give you the must-watch, must-skip. But I feel like if everybody's watching it here, then I'm guessing you all watched live. So we'll kind of uh, change it up a little bit. But uh, a tight, tight five-match card. Um, I think everything hit its beats, but if you were living under rock, you didn't watch everything, an incredible six man tag with, uh, the new street profits or the new, uh, hurt business, uh, taking on the LWO tree, uh, six, uh, a, a triple threat match for the, uh, WWE women's championship with EO Charlotte and Asuka. Of course, the, uh, tag team match with LA Knight, Yeah. And John Cena taking on the bloodline. You had the uh, the undisputed tag titles. And, of course, your main event, Last Man Standing. Um, Richie, I'm going to pitch to you first. You're uh, the fresh meat. You're the new blood. Uh, what stood out for you is kind of like a a must-watch moment or, or match from this super tight card. It has to be the opening match for me, personally. Um, Ryan and I, we uh, talked about the opening match before uh, in our preview section on the No So YouTube channel. And this match really was interesting to me because just from the different storyline directions, it can go. Because you have Jey Uso's storyline of him not being the most well-liked guy in Raw due to his past history. Cody sort of being the only guy who's kind of ushering him in. And now you have the conflict with them being the tag team champions. That's going to bring Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens into that mix because they're boys with Cody. But now that he has the tag titles, how long is that going to last? And of course you have Drew McIntyre waiting in the wings, waiting to strike if anything were to go wrong. Yeah, I, I, I second that notion. I think that the, the uh, opening tag team match for the, the tag titles 
uh, probably your best slot, best match in slot for that. And it, it actually carried. Um, Ryan, I know the super teams uh, have been kind of a thing of, not so much a thing of the past, because you do have the Sammy KO uh, super team, but they kind of felt like an organic tag team to begin with. But I think it's been a little bit since we've had like a, a super, as actual super team, like a, a uh, Cody and Jay. Uh, were you at all surprised that uh, those two actually took the titles off of the Judgment Day tonight? For sure. Uh, I know Richie and I both predicted it, but we were kind of optimistically predicting it when it happened. And uh, for actually it to come through, I was good with that. I thought it was uh, an interesting dilemma to kind of have the night before where we had all, you know, all the Avengers looking at each other and the two big tag title matches facing off. And then at the end of the night, you get both baby faces triumphing two nights in a row. So that's kind of a little weird mix here. Uh, both heel teams perhaps are going to come together down the line and kind of conjoin. And then, so to see the baby face get the shine early here and really become the tag champions is quite the surprising feat, really. I, you know, like the whole Cody, here's my question to you, Justin, do you think Cody winning the tag titles taints his story in any way, or we're just good with it? You know, I don't, I don't no, think so. Of course we're we're with it, because... I think it's not doing. like he's celebrating the moment. It's like, okay, I'm done. I reached the end of my story. Like, it's just another chapter in the journey to the end of his story, right? So to me, I don't feel like it taints. It's not like he's a guy that's like never been at that level. Like, so, so to me, and he's already been presented at a main event level as well. He just made events at WrestleMania. So to me, it's not like this is like, oh, he's in the tag division because to Tim's point, we're in this little bit of a resurgence of super team era, um, you know, KO and Sammy were champions forever. I look at them as even though they're friends and everything, they're like a super team at this point. So to me, Cody and, uh, you know, Jay being in that position are both main event guys. They manifested the two biggest shows of the year in 2023 so far. So no, I don't, I don't think it taints either of them at all. Well, and uh, it's interesting. I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm kind of actually shocked when it happened. I popped when it happened. And uh, even though we predicted it, I, I am still kind of rather shocked that it happened. And I love the directions coming out of it. Like I said, they can veer under SmackDown and kind of mix it up with them guys. And then they kind of just run Monday Night Raw. Gives them something to do leading into the fall seasons here. And uh, it is a little weird, Richie, to have an Uso as a tag champ and not his brother. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's kind of strange, but also it feels like the right direction in a weird yes way because with jay and, and uh cody both you want to say jane silent bob don't you because yeah, i kind of yeah. i always want to say it. <laughs> it's gonna get uh some getting used to if they hold the tag titles for long enough but uh with jay and cody they're kind of in like similar but different positions if that makes sense with jay it's all about proving his individuality and with cody it's trying to build his way back up to that bloodline so while jay's trying to separate himself from that cody is almost kind of get a try to get back. So I wouldn't be surprised if later down the line, you're going to have more raw superstars like a Drew McIntyre, go to Jay and Cody separately saying, Hey, you're, can you really trust your tag partner? Like right. Cody only brought you here to raw so he can go to SmackDown to like for his own selfish reasons, even though like things would like, uh, like Cody is always going to try to finish the story, but will he step on other people to get there? That is the big, like drama that will happen from this team, in my opinion. 
And it's also the right move for the Judgment Day because I feel like the Judgment Day has done all they can do with the tag team titles, even if it's such a short time. Because what believable team that we currently have could beat the Judgment Day again? Other than Sammy and Kevin, but let's be honest, we've seen that for many, many, many weeks. So how do you do that without it being contrived or forced again and again and again? So I think Cody and Jay are definitely the right move for the short term. For how long they'll be tag champs? We've seen the Attitude Era might be a couple weeks, could be a couple months. Only time will tell. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say, Tim. I think that this this rain has like a ceiling on it, as of like Survivor Series being in the over under. Toolman, what would you think? It's tough, right? Because kind of to Richie's point, and it's kind of been the point of the tag team division for a long time. You know, at least for now, there are tag teams. There's there's plenty of depth. Um, but it's depth on paper. I I don't think that there's many actual possible threatening contenders aside from the Judgment Day, right? Y- you'd have to really build up a team, especially since, you know, kind of talking about the, re- the rest of the show, you know, Street Profits were on the short end of the stick against, uh, you know, the, the LWO. So as a team who may have been on the rise with Bobby Lashley kind of bolstering them up, you know, they're immediately kind of chopped down to size. Um, The Viking Raiders and the new day have been squabbling in this like lower than mid card thing. Bashbum 16 on YouTube makes an excellent point in regards to DIY, but even then DIY is mixed up with Imperium. So they're kind of off to the wayside. They're going to be doing their own thing for at least a couple of months, get us through the survivor series, maybe to Royal rumble. So it's tough. If anything happens with the separation of this sweet life of Cody and Jay, it's going to end up being something where, they have to have a misfunction at the junction, right? There has to be something. There's a friction between them that separates the team. And eventually maybe we get Cody versus Jay, but I don't think it's going to be something that's organic where a team comes in and splits them up. Um, but an, another piece of the puzzle that we're, we haven't talked about yet is the other side of the coin. Uh, the damage inflicted, during the match to Damian Priest uh, played out later on in the show where the Judgment Day actually held Damian Priest down and Mommy basically pulled his punk card and took the Money in the Bank briefcase away from Damian Priest, basically saying, not now, this isn't your chance, this isn't your shot. So, Ryan, what did you think about, you know, mommy taking control of the reins now that she's pretty much she's always been the de facto leader of the uh, the judgment day but now actually being the leader uh from the happenings of friday night smackdown into uh tonight's uh appearance at Fastlane. yeah it's definitely the refocus since her return from the nia jackson injury established right away opening monday night raw 
where she calls out the judgment day, calls them out on their bullshit, all the way to SmackDown, where she has her sit-down meeting with Paul, really establishing future plans and trying to get on the same page, perhaps for a War Games match. So she's back with a plan, and it is to set the judgment day straight. Uh, I think there's a long-term plan where maybe it will elevate her on the other aisle of the fence or perhaps the other locker room, the babyface aisle. But um, I think it is a good spot for her. And it's definitely a transition point for the Judgment Day. And I think really put the all that Judgment Day juice onto Rhea Ripley is uh, probably the, the correct direction there, I would think, coming out of it. Because she obviously has the most upside out of all the people in the group, not named Don Mysterio. Right. Uh, JT, to you, did you think that that segment with the Judgment Day could have been a red herring? And that there was still a possibility that Damien could have still cashed in or... Or even if it wasn't Damien that cashed in with just the thought of of Rhea having ownership of the contract now, that they could do some like shifty business and give the contract to somebody else and ha- but still have a cash in uh during that last man standing match. Yeah, I think both both avenues just laid out were definitely possible. Like Priest faking it, comes out, it's a setup, it's a ruse, comes out and cashes in, or yeah, Rhea takes it for herself. It's just like, yeah, it's mine now. You know, I'm the dominant member of this team. I'm going to take this from me, and I'm going to go cash in on EO or, hey, cash in on one of the guys. Why not? She's Rhea, right? Um, so I, I think either path was still in play. Like, I, I think they did a good job of keeping it vague and quick enough to where you could see it either path. Either it's a legit, yeah, he's hurt. They're protecting him. Or there's a little bit of chicanery going on within the team or it was a setup for later in the night. So I think like they did a really good job kind of opening all three options in one quick little segment. So, I mean, I do think too, there's a path where Balor and Priest just win the belts back, like on a raw in a few weeks um, and then reignite their reign to an eventual DIY, taking them, taking the belts and ending the super team era. That's usually how these little super team runs go. Like they'll trade, among the top dogs for a bit. And then an established team will kind of win the belts that have the cred to win it and then kind of get back to, okay, the tag teams go for the tag team titles. I think DIY could be that conduit to our buddy Jason's point that we just put up a minute ago. Um, Given that they both have the credibility to be at that level. uh, They're new, they're fresh again, especially on the main roster. So, uh, you know, or maybe there's another team that could be looking for a revival in their WWE career that could, pop up and win those tag titles at any time that'd be great but it ain't gonna happen yeah you know there's i don't know if we're talking completely in rumor and innuendo at least their their cm buddy is at least out of their contract and and actually free uh but uh i think ftr might be locked in contract for at least another year unless of course i saw in one of our uh one of our numerous group chats uh, I forget who it was, but somebody said that they, they might have the regal clause uh, to, you know, their boy leaves. They get to leave. I mean, you know, Tony uh, might be looking best. to save a little scratch. Maybe let him walk, you know, <laughs> my brother, he's he he's I want to see him finish out his career somewhere else. Whatever. Right. Um, Before we throw but, it to Rick, uh, can I uh, t- touch yeah. on uh, your point earlier, Mr. Toolman, of uh, Rhea taking the briefcase away from Damien, right? Now, they right. could be doing some tomfoolery where JD and Finn go cashing in and win the tag belts and pull a double swerve on, on Priest, and that is a cute little way to get away from the money in the bank. We're not getting down that lane, are we? 
because I don't. It's cute. I don't, I don't know. I don't know at this point, like, because you also have to think, Rhea's pet is Dom. Oh yeah. So what's to stop her from giving the money in the bank to Dom well, and then having? No. Look, I I have lost faith in the money in the bank briefcase, and I'm kind of like pitched it to Richie, but like. Ever since Austin Theory decided that the brightest idea with a guaranteed contract is to cash it in on the United States Championship, <laughs> yeah. um, I have absolutely he knows zero the ceiling. Faith. It's the man that knows his limits, right there. He, no, then you knew find a way to lower the ceiling. Like you, yeah. you find a way. Um, no, Rhea kicking the shit out of of the world champion, and then calling Dom out and handing it to him and saying, "Here you go," right? Like that's that's, yeah, yeah. that's a fun story, right there. I'm thinking they do this crap in NXT. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have like the stupidest feeling that like if if Rhea has the contract and she gives it to Dom, right? I'm not the biggest Ilya Dragunov fan, but it would be hilarious if Dom were Dommy two belts and he cashes in and he's North American champion and NXT champion. He'd be the second person ever to do that with Keith Lee. But I, I don't know if there's going to be actual chicanery with the with the money in the bank briefcase, but uh, to, to, options. there is options. I think this is just a, a way of saying, hey, no, no cash in tonight. But um, Richie, we talked about the beginning of the show. Let's talk about the main event. Um, last man standing first last man standing match since SummerSlam with, uh, you know, Brock and Roman and a tractor. Uh, so uh, how do you think this, uh, how did you feel about this match uh, pre and post? Well, uh, without the track, without a tractor spot, I guess it's, you, you'd call it a step down, but uh, yeah, this, this last man standing match was fine. You know, it was very good. Uh, I think it was the, the best of the two Shinsuke Nakamura, Seth Rollins matches that we've seen. I thought it was very smart of Seth to bring out the tables early so the crowd doesn't do the we want tables chant that kind of like muddies things up a little bit uh, a little bit. And I thought it was really smart to do the red mist because it was like the visual of uh, Seth Rollins having a crimson mask without actually him blading or anything. So I thought that was a very smart thing for them to pull off. And uh, again, the story was simple to the point going for Rollins's back injury, making sure he doesn't uh stay up on his feet for that long and they kept moving during the counts too like with one person's down somebody else is moving setting something up just in case they're not down for the 10 count so they kept the match moving instead of just like waiting and just like letting the ref count because it's a type of match like the iron man match where you have to make sure the crowd is invested in each of the count or else they'll take it off the rails like we saw with Rollins and Ziggler in their Iron Man match where the crowd just kind of yeah. took over right. especially with the uh, with the counting aspect so I thought they played it very well they uh, thought of some very creative spots that we haven't seen before like the the double knees off the turnbuckle through the table uh, the red mist like I mentioned the the Falcon arrow at the end did surprise me as the finish right uh, mostly because we haven't seen Rollins win with it that much, but it was still a, was a, uh, like a really good spot, but I think the crowd sort of halfway expected the cash in. So mm-hmm. I felt like it kind of uh, the pay-per-view ended on a deflated note, but talking about 
Rollins in general, his World Heavyweight Championship reign, has been a very good, strong reign to start off, even though he's not positioned as the guy who will end every show, even though we as fans usually try to correlate the World Heavyweight Championship is the guy who ends every show. So I think he's doing phenomenal as the glue that's kind of sticking that World Heavyweight Championship scene together. And I'm curious to see who would challenge him for it because it doesn't look like he has a myriad of challengers on the heel side. Yeah, I think you yeah. nailed that point, Richie, like about the not dragging it out and killing time. Like, this is not a this was not a dramatic pathos play that we knew we needed to like drag this thing out to 40 minutes, right? And I made a joke early in the show that we loved the sub three hour tight. It was fast lane on a random Saturday, October night, like Nakamura, great wrestler, Rollins, great wrestler, but this isn't like a, a big time money match and we need to play this out. And okay, we're going to drag it out 35, 40 minutes, a million counts. I loved it. It was tight. They kept it moving to your point. And also sometimes you get to reset expectations. Like not every last man standing or big gimmick match needs to have some crazy bump or insane finish. Like sometimes just a big Falcon arrow through, through a stage is enough, right. To finish a match and like, and just keep a guy down for 10 seconds. So like, to me, I like that. It was simplistic. Like this is the time to do that on a show like this, mm-hmm. take your chance to reestablish a little bit of reality into things. We don't always need the tractor and everything else. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'd also want to point out that uh, Michael Cole and Corey Graves were phenomenal on commentary yeah. during this match. They really did sell Seth Rollins as pretty much a desperate man trying to cling on to this world heavyweight championship, a championship that many people thought when it was first created was the consolation prize championship. Yeah. And yeah, they, didn't read, Rollins, yeah, they haven't acted like it. No. You're yeah. Right. So now, now Seth Rollins uh, and Nakamura, they ended two pay-per-views in a row headlining with the world heavyweight championship. So it's going to take some time still because we're still in its uh, year of infancy. But as the years go on, we're going to see this championship become more and more on the same level of the championship that Roman Reigns is holding. It will probably take a long amount of time to get it up to that level. But with, when you have champions like Rollins and challengers like Balor and Nakamura yes. putting out great matches, I think it's only a matter of time before we will start having that conversation. And they did a great job, like, in this feud, rebuilding Nakamura. I mean, just over the last three months, like, the vignettes they were doing with him calling out the injured back and, you know, calling out Rollins' family. And I loved the way they did it, right? On another show we do here, Dirty War, we're recapping the AJ Styles Samoa Joe feud from 2018, right? And they delve into the family stuff. And um, it was so heavy-handed and over the top, right, that it, it ruined the feud. To me, this was so well done. When Nakamura is just using it to, like, pick away at Rollins to try and get in his head, but it wasn't like he's not out there yelling at his wife, you know, obviously his wife could probably kick Nakamura's ass at this storyline, but you know, he's not out there bitching at the kids. Like he's just using it to play head games. Cause you know, this guy's busted back is legit and he can get in his head. And I thought this did wonders to make Nakamura seem again, like the top guy he should be. So I, I thought that was like a real big, you know, gift out of this as well was that it wasn't just a throwaway two month feud. It was, Hey, we, we, to your point, Richie, made Rollins in this title look legitimate. We've had some really good matches. And Nakamura, by the way, has also been rebuilt into a legitimate star. And it continues that story of Seth Rollins where Michael Cole had a fantastic uh, send-off line. Was, is How long can Seth Rollins keep up this pace? Yes. That's the overarching story that's been being told since he won the World Heavyweight Championship. 
Now we'll end with the cash in or we'll end up with someone gaining uh, an opportunity to finally get Seth Rollins when he's at his weakness weakest. I think so, but he's doing a phenomenal job, even though Seth Rollins is, is never going to be viewed as the one a of the company. He's always going to be one B. Uh, I talked to Ryan about this off air once. Uh, he's always going to be in that edge role uh, when mm-hmm. Cena at the edge uh, that tri- that triple H to the rock kind of deal. Like he's never going to be seen as the, guy in the company's eyes but he's always going to be that glue that holds that entire work rate together exactly exactly um for those of you watching on uh peacock plus we're gonna pitch to ryan really quick but take a look at this sponsorship from uh, pizza hut um but nevertheless the sponsorships were crazy as always um i think that they're seamless um but getting back to the actual point of the matter um ryan it feels like you know, fast lane definitely feels like we are starting to ramp up into, you know, re- uh, Royal Rumble season. Mm-hmm. There's not that many dates between now and then. Um, Saudi Arabia is going to be, you know, your typical Saudi show of of just really solid matches across the board. Nothing really of consequence, I don't suspect. Of course, Survivor Series is going to be Survivor Series. We're going to get that War Games match, possibly. If not, it's going to be interpromotional championship matches. So the next big thing of notice is the Royal Rumble. Do you think that possibly the winner of the Royal Rumble is somebody who does take that opportunity to challenge Seth Rollins, who might be the easier pickings for a title opportunity at WrestleMania? Yeah, I, I, right now I'm putting Gunther right in that spot. I'm, yeah, I'm, hands down. That that back's been broken for six months, and there's no other lumberjack to break it down better than Gunther right there. Um, like I, this is back to Nakamura real quick. If you told me back at WrestleMania, where I'm not even sure if Nakamura was booked, <laughs> that no. he would have two main events in a row in the fall here in late summer, I would have been. Yeah, okay. What what is the WWE doing? But yeah. you know, he had a pretty decent showing last night and I thought he was really into his game today. His strikes were crisp. He was constantly in the motion. His mannerisms were were tight and like meaningful instead of lazy and whatever he has been the last 6 years, but uh I just feel like he was super motivated and he lived up to the hype of being in the main event for a second time in a row. Um like Richie said the story of Seth continues and I don't know if they could make it another five months to WrestleMania for Gunther to chop it down, but but perhaps. But either way, uh, Seth has done a great job establishing this, establishing this title again. Does Gunther need to win the title Mania, though? Like, I think they could. that's something they could do elsewhere on another show and still be as effective, to your point, Ryan. Like, Rollins gets, gets run ragged, and Gunther just kicks the shit out of him. Like, I would love a, you know, Vader-Sting-style this beat down, like this guy's right. busted. He's broken or a Brock Cena where he just picks apart, wins the title in like an eight minute squash and, you know, becomes a dominant champion. And you're going to already have like, you know, you're going to have the two nights of media. One's likely going to be a women's main event or a big celebrity. Right. Um, and one's going to be reigns. So like Gunther on the undercard can retain against a top contender as well on that show, you know, whether it's a McIntyre or whoever. So you don't need, like, I don't think you need to do Gunther Rollins at mania. I think that's definitely something you could do sooner. If you think you can't stretch this Rollins back being injured story all the way to mania. Um, I do like the idea of Gunther winning the rumble, but I do think that's, 
I don't know. I know Ryan and I differ on this. I, I think it's earmarked for Cody to go back to back and then win a mania, but that's my thought. I, so I, I think the, the, the big caveat is I think if you slate Gunther for mania, that gives you the wiggle room to figure out what you do with the intercontinental title that he still has, right? To have him lose it somewhere in between. Don't lose winning. it. Give it up when you win the world title. Tournament. Okay, Ultimate Warrior. Like, yeah. I, no, I I think at this point, Gunther, like him, him giving up the Intercontinental title will probably would would possibly be viewed worse than the World Heavyweight Championship being recreated as the gimme belt for uh, Seth. Right? You know, it, not having somebody to be able to take the title. Like, how how stupid would it have been if Ultimate Warrior didn't beat Honky Tonk Man? Right? Like. Oh, Honky, Honky didn't have somebody yeah, Mr. to beat. Mr. Perfect won that tournament, and he's one of the greatest IC champs ever. Right. To me, though, I, I, I feel as though that title needs to be lost and, and passed to somebody else. And with DIY and everybody in the mix for the Intercontinental title, I feel like it's a big opportunity to move on that. Um, That's an excellent point about LA Knight. I'm a big LA Knight fan. The problem is, is like with the, it depends on how tight they keep the bland, the brand split, right? I may have kind of just tipped my hand calling it the bland split, but um, that's definitely a slip of the tongue. Um, LA Knight super hot on SmackDown though, far away from the Intercontinental title, even farther away from the World Heavyweight title. Of course, a Royal Rumble win mm-hmm. actually opens up that door. LA Knight super hot. It's it's hard to not consider LA Knight to be somebody who could possibly be in that mix for the Royal Rumble. Um but um Richie to your to to you, is there anything else that really stood out for you on tonight's uh card across the board? Well, speaking of LA Knight, he did definitely prove that less can be more when it comes to in-ring ability because if you look at his moveset everyone was going crazy for it but it's a lot of people would call like simple moves you know the russian leg sweep the ddt the superplex the neck breaker you know all of these simple moves with uh, theatrics added to it and the crowd was eating out of the palm of his hands and to the point of you know future royal rumble winners is he a possibility sure everyone who's in that uh, like realm like Cody, Gunther, LA Knight, those raising stocks are up, uh, are a part of those conversations. But with LA Knight, what I see him here, it's amazing because a year ago he redebuted as LA Knight. Right. And if you listen to the reactions from then to the reactions now, it's night and day. Mm-hmm. Uh, no pun intended. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no pun but, uh, but uh, where it's where the story's going right now, he is on his way to crown jewel fighting Roman. At least that's what I see the story going in with the teases of Heyman with the teases of solo trying to take care of the problem, but Heyman wouldn't let him because Roman didn't like feel the need to. So it's like one of those things where it's like this guy slipped under the radar, both in real life and in storyline. And now they're going to have to take with, take care of this problem. Like one-on-one. And Crown Jewel is such a uh, great place to do it at because that was probably the first time where they had like uh, one of those press conference events for the Crown Jewel event. And then you hear the whole crowd chanting LA Knight and he was not a part of a story. He wasn't a part of anything 
going That's on in TV. Yeah, late you know. Late, really. So my only my only problem with that, and Ryan and I talked about this um, on the preview we did because we previewed that match uh, mm-hmm. for the previous series, and LA to me has got that big RVD 01 vibe, right? Where he's like super over. You want to strike when it's hot. But to me, like, I wouldn't put him in a world title match unless he's going to win the title. So we could do it at Crown Jewel if we're ready to end Roman's reign and, and Crown Knight, um, unless you're going to screw him. But, like, the worst possible thing you can do is, like, Reigns just beats him, I think. I'm not a huge person on wins and losses. WWE can heat guys back up. But when you have a dude in this spot, like, I just – I think having him lose to Reigns – we just did that story with Cody – where he lost and now he's trying to get back to it. Like to me, Knight should stay protected until he's going to win. If he's the guy that's going to eventually win. So if you do him and reigns at crown jewel, it's going to be like bloodline jumps him and it's a DQ screwy finish, which I'm fine with on that show. Like, I don't care, but I don't think you can have reigns beat him. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't have reigns pin that guy because you look at that RVD correlation. He was never as hot as he was that night at No Mercy when he should have won the world title the first time. And I just think you have to hit that moment right. I see what you're saying. Uh, the the only thing that LA Knight has that RVD didn't have at that time is the ability to talk. At least like yeah, reheat yep. himself back up. Mm-hmm. So even if he does lose to Reigns hypothetically in this match, I do think he has that ability to kind of build himself back up. I mean, look at uh when Steve Austin was at his height. Uh, after WrestleMania uh, 13, after the Bret Hart match, they put him in a cold day in hell against The Undertaker and for a title match right away. He still lost, albeit due to interference, but he still lost, and he still continued to get hotter and hotter and hotter. And like I talked with Ryan when we did uh, the preview match for the tag title match, ever since Cody lost at WrestleMania, it seemed like his reactions are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. So a loss doesn't necessarily mean that LA Knight is going to be cooled off uh, substantially if anything it's probably going to prove his doubters who are calling him one note in the ring or an attitude right. or a knockoff yeah if he goes when, out and has a banger yep yeah if he goes out and has a banger that proves some more critics critics wrong and then you're going to have the people saying oh roman's reign and i'm sick of it i'm sick of it and I'm sick of it and that's only going to raise la Knight's stock up and i don't think it will ever like uh hinder his crowd reactions in my opinion yeah, no, that's a good point. And and to the credit, like they have a bunch of legitimate guys that could end this reign. That's the Romans, that's the other thing too. Yeah, you have like you could we haven't even talked about Jay. Like you got Jay, L.A. Knight, um, Cody. Obviously, I mean, you got Rock is in the periphery, right? Like he's out there. So that's like four legitimate Mania main event. And then I mean, we haven't we hinted at Punk, right? We didn't mention him by name, but I think you got five guys in the next month or so heading into right. media that you could say could legitimately main event that night in Philly and end Roman's incredible reign. Yeah, I think it should be Gunther. <laughs> and go put him in. I mean, at, at six, I think you could put him in the list. Yeah. Yeah. It depends. It depends on if CM Punk wants to dance in Chicago again, you know, no they're going to be, now, I would definitely wasn't trying to piss Ryan off in the, in the <laughs> comment section on Facebook. Uh, by the way, if you're watching along on YouTube or Facebook, please send those comments and we'll share them. We'll talk about them and discuss them. But, um, you know, with everything going on in, in that sort of veil, I'm of the because there's so many top tier guys, I kind of lean towards JT's point of how many we we WWE tested the waters with putting L.A. Knight in a predominant place in money in the bank. 
in not giving him that opportunity. And of course, the uh, Triple H. What I, I see a puck on the brain because you guys talk about him. Um, but oh, Triple H went into the um, went into the press conference afterwards and go and and made the line of, you know, it's not for you right now. We'll give it to you in a little. Give it to you later. But with a guy who's so white hot, whereas Cody. Cody came in positioned as the next star, right? While LA Knight has been on the rise. If you put him in another position at that high, high level and you pull it away from him again, you're, you're, you're poking the bear with the fans, at least in my opinion of like, it's a fine line between a guy who people are hungry to see become champion or somebody who can't get the job done when put in a position where like, there's a reason why Cody's only had one opportunity. Right. Uh-huh. And and that was his first opportunity at not having a chance or, or not nailing his opportunity. Right. Everything else he's been involved in, whether it was the feud with Seth or calling a shot at the Royal rumble, or even tonight winning the tag titles from the judgment day. Cody has always been a guy who's, nailed it and crushed it. And I just, I don't think LA Knight has the same equity, the long-term equity with the WWE universe like Cody does. I would, I'm somewhere in the middle with all you guys. I think it would be (laughs) an ultimate test for them to kind of see what do we have with this guy? Can he overcome a loss to Richie's point? He can talk himself back to Justin's point. I don't really want him in the match yet, but, it may be the best thing for him if he goes out there, crushes it, and is even over even more. They give him a finish that absolutely doesn't kill him. Uh, and he just kind of grows from it, kind of like Cody has, but with like, I don't want to say more more organic buzz that LA has compared to Cody, because I would think obviously Cody's a bigger star, but could he have more upside as Cody? I'm not sure. He's five years older but he has less wear and tear on that body. And it's not, you know, it's not 1989 where you're 40 and it's over. So it's, right. I don't know, it's, it's interesting, but you know, Cody's more of a complete package as a wrestler uh, character, so on and so forth. But I don't know, LA Knight has the biggest attribute and that's charisma and her personality. So I don't know. I would, uh, I would test the waters and I would protect him, but I don't see him beating Roman and Saudi. And I think all of us, I think, I think the big thing that LA Knight has over almost everybody else in the WWE right now, with the exception of like Roman Reigns, is he feels like a throwback both in the ring and on the mic to that Attitude Era main event style, right? As Richie said, he doesn't do everything, but neither did Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? Neither did The Rock, neither did Mankind. Like they didn't have to do everything. But what they did, the fans pop, and LA Knight has started adding very like nuanced things that gets the crowd invested. Things that he hit, like just the lead into his LA Knight elbow, finally having a lead into that, the big the the scoop power slam, like everything is starting to line up to fit in that main of that old school WWF Attitude Era main event style. And now all he needs is a good walking brawl and he'll be, he'll have it all right. Where Roman reigns, at least in my opinion today 
he's mastered that WWE main event style. There, I don't think there's anybody current day that can do what Roman's doing in that main event type picture one-on-one. Um, the the control he has of both like what happens in the ring and and around the ring and, and, and inciting reactions, it, it's it's very special and it's the reason why he stayed champion for as long as he has. Um, not to completely shift gears, but I'm very surprised that we got visual confirmation and visual or eyes on Jade Cargill tonight. Eyes for sure, buddy. Yeah, I mean, respectfully, respectfully. <laughs> uh, you know, it was, it's very, very hard to get Triple H out of a picture, but I can crop and we'll figure it out. Um, but are you are you guys at all shocked that Jade Cargill's autumn like already being pushed or not pushed, but even being presented on main on the main roster? No, I love it because the main roster NXT construct is 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 an internal construct that they've created. Like right. no one says you have to start at a certain place in the world of wrestling, right? Like they've created the theory of NXT for people that they believe need to go to NXT. And for a while, they filtered people through NXT that didn't belong in NXT. And to me, that doesn't mean that has to continue to be the trend. So is she as polished in the ring as some of the women in NXT? Probably not. But did any of them touch her star power? Have any of them been at that level of national television over the last couple of years? And beyond that, you know, I was in one chat last week where, where folks would say, oh, they don't do surprises anymore like they used to and how they should be, you know, treating this as like a surprise debut on a Raw or whatever. And to me, that is the absolute wrong way to think about things because on a lost third hour of a random Monday Night Raw or even on a pay-per-view to debut her, you don't get the organic hype of a attraction that the type of attraction that she is. She is a classic athletic free agent style signing. Like this is one you hype through sports illustrated through ESPN. Like we just landed this mega athlete that we think mm-hmm. is going to be a big time star. And we're going to present her as such. And we want to be excited about it. And we can tell her story better through these channels and then have her appear and start to build the excitement for her to step in the ring. To me, you save the surprises for the established like type of veterans that are jumping, like a Cody, right? Like we didn't need the big announcement of Cody because that was a cool moment. And you kind of knew maybe anyway, but with a Jade, she's so, so new to much of this audience um, while also having the presence in the past that people, you know, fans that are more aware would know of. So to me, they mm-hmm. went about this the absolute right way. I think they've nailed it. Her taking over the Twitter feed, I thought was brilliant. Like, like pump her out there, social media, all the social um, channels that they can, all of the third party coverage that they can. Like, she's that level of star that they need to present as such. And I like it. And it doesn't surprise me with them. You know, that's their first big signing since the Endeavor deal, right? That they presented her like UFC signing a major star, right? Like, to me, that mm-hmm. it fits in line with the type of promotion that this is going to be now. Right. I think the last um, the last signing, the last WWE signing of somebody who did not go to NXT, I might be wrong, but is that AJ Styles at the Rumble? Of somebody who's never been in WWE. I, I, like, yeah, I think it may be. I, don't, Richie, I think it's uh, AJ. I literally think me, everybody buddy, was, else. Was he the last one? I feel like it probably was. He, yeah. he was He was the last one where I know he said he, he, like, he wouldn't mind it, but they were 
hindered for star power at that point. So they just put him into the main roster and said, all right, let's see if you sink or swim. And he swam. Um, yeah. But yeah. but with the, the story of Jade Cargill uh, uh, being on the kickoff show as she did was very smart for a couple of reasons. One gets her out there, gets her face out there to a new audience to see what she's like. And also throwing her out there when the, like you could call them competition, the alternative, whatever, they're, they're having their own show at the same mm-hmm. time, you know? So that's taking up the Twitter yes. feed as well. Yeah. So it's a very smart chess move on the part of WWE. As far as presenting her like a big star right off the bat, this is something we haven't seen like probably ever with someone who doesn't have the WWE or independent notoriety. And I think we're going to see a lot more signings that come from AEW to WWE get Mm -hmm. more of this treatment just so there's no weariness from AEW to go over to WWE because we've seen a lot of WWE stars go to AEW. Some of it was by choice. Some of it was due to them being released, what have you. But with people now slowly from AEW filtering over to WWE, with Cody being probably the most important one and pretty much legitimately probably the first one, the first Mm -hmm. real one that really said, oh, wow. And now Jade's coming. And now you're going to have Brian Pillman Jr. who's in NXT right now. And if they do something great with him on that brand, it's going to give some people who don't have the the look of a Jade Cargill or the background of brian pillman jr who they didn't do much with in aew a little less being reserved of going to wwe instead of the horror stories they've had where it's like you'll be restricted but now as long as they let them be a somewhat the sim somewhat of a similar character than they were an aew that would erase all hesitation i think promoting jade cargill is a very brilliant move, and especially on a pay-per-view night such as this. It's a different time, too. Sorry, Tim, just real quick. It's a, like it's a different era and style. Like it's hard to compare now to 2016 as is ancient. You know what I mean? Like it's Triple H in in you know for whatever he's got for power, he's getting power, right? Of, of creative. Where Vince is back with some say, but when you look at the week-to-week booking, it still very much feels like we're where we've been over the last year or so with Triple H in charge. And like, so I think things are going to be, have to be considered different. Then you layer in like Nick Khan's influence, you layer in Endeavor's influence. Like this is a very different company than it was. Plus the competition to your point, Richie, it's like 2016, we didn't have AEW at this level, right? So there's going to be different levels of gamesmanship and presentation in place than when they were the only game in town and they could send everyone to NXT because they were like, whatever, we got no competition. We're going to break down all these dudes and, and make them, you know, work our style. Now they're like, okay, well, AW exists. We have to treat things a little bit differently and it's a new era. Endeavor is going to have different goals in place for what we need to do and be. So we're going to work accordingly. So like, it's hard to even look at this as being anything. And our buddy, Andy Atherton, you know, on YouTube, said the same, just on the same topic said, she's also the first homegrown AEW wrestler right. uh, to go to Dodie. And to your point, Richard, like you mentioned, Pillman, been on the indies for a while etc jade really is like the first aew person that came up through their system to jump ship so that's that's a big deal too right Are you guys and i want to kept her name i'm not i'm not at all okay. like no, it, it, it's 
it, it's such a unique name, especially Jade. I'm glad they're keeping Jade. Um, but Ryan, I want to go to you. Uh, there's a there's a notable saying across the world or across that's known by everybody. Uh, those who don't know their history are bound to repeat it. And uh, JT, this is going to sound something that you're very familiar with. You're going through the the Monday Night Wars right now uh, through Wrestling Warzone, and we're kind of following a very similar path of that time frame where WCW is the very hungry talent acquisition grabbing old WWF superstars and putting them on their main roster. And what has AEW done in, in, in this time? Tall Paul, Mark Henry, Christian, Edge, uh, Big Cass. Adam Cole. Like, yeah. a- Adam Cole, Roderick, like literally the entire Undisputed Era. Even CM Punk to a certain degree has that still that Daniel notoriety yep, of then, WWE. Yeah. Yeah. And then now WWE it is coming back around and like there's only been two, but depending on how well Jade Cargill is treated, those other homegrown stars, if AEW doesn't know what to do with them, WWE will know exactly what to do. Yeah. With like a Rolly start. Well, yeah. And you're fully your Austin, your Vader, your Goldust, right? Like all those guys that got pushed out when Hogan and Savage, et cetera, came in. Um, yes. Yeah. So it's going to be similar. You're going to have yes, a lot of the original AEW stars are going to suddenly be out of a push, right, at the expense of these guys. It's almost like a almost a reverse of the WWF WCW deal with the talent. And what I mean by this is, in WCW, led the narrative WWF or WWE did in all their documentaries were the cruiserweights. The cruiserweights were being held down from ascending to their heights but now if you see an AEW, it's the more inexperienced wrestlers a or the uh heavyweights that haven't been getting as much opportunity for storylines like a Wardlow, like a powerhouse hobbs thank you thank, thank thankfully they're doing something with him now uh maybe a ricky starks to a degree where his face turn didn't really mean as much at that point in time and it's going to come to a point where those guys, if they hypothetically do make that jump, WWE knows exactly how to market them. They know how to play to their strengths while also improving on the things that they uh, might be weaker in. So it's going to be a very interesting time when you're going to see those AEW contracts last or uh, expire. Very much so. Very, very much so. I think I think you kind of Logan kind of answers that question right behind uh, Andy's comment of who's going to be the who's going to be this uh, generation's Jericho from mid card WCW to main event WWF, and, and Logan goes ahead and answers right behind and got to think Starks is going to make the move. I think Ricky Starks is easily the best player comp, right? Somebody who's super creative, who is super charismatic, is solid in the ring has a look has a has a as a pizzazz about him and i think it really steals his opportunities when the red lights on with the camera on i don't think there's really anybody else in AEW that ticks all of those boxes and is still in that not overexposed area 
Yeah. Right. There's still there's still a lot of people in AEW, but they're people who've been there since day one. And they're people who have been like who were the people who started the company. Right. Hangman Page, uh, Kenny Omega. Um, those people are kind of go look at those first couple of pay-per-views. And it's like they have churned a lot of guys and girls through there. that were kind of their building blocks in the early days as they've started to add the bigger name guys that have jumped or shown up. And once they mm-hmm. got established. Um, so yeah, the, those folks are going to go somewhere. And it's like, there's only so much room in AEW. They already have how many hours of TV um, right at this point. And it's like, you can only keep adding so much to focus on these uh, different wrestlers. So, And even adding another company to AEW, because uh, last year they bought out, uh, they bought Ring of Honor or a year or two ago, they bought Ring of Honor. And I think that's started kind of like the downturn of mm-hmm. AEW in some respects, because you have that built in AEW audience. And then you're mentioning Ring of Honor. It's like, okay, what exactly is Ring of Honor? Yeah. And this is coming from people who, were lapsed fans from wrestling who probably didn't even know what Ring of Honor is. And without Ring of Honor, we wouldn't have a lot of the talent we do see today. But with AEW buying or uh, buying Ring of Honor, and I could get, I'm kind of going off topic, but with, uh, I think the focus for Ring of Honor really did hurt AEW because they were trying to get it a television deal for uh, a while, which is why I think this is my own conspiracy theory why Jericho won the ROH championship. And this is around when Punk kind of uh, mm-hmm. had that locker room skirmish the first time. And they were really trying to get that ring of honor championship uh, its own deal on Warner brother TV. And then it didn't work because like it was treated kind of like a backdoor pilot you would for a TV show, but instead of an episode of a backdoor pilot, it was an entire season of backdoor pilots that got right. off the track of the entire season. It's like having the, the show arrow and this, instead of the, Green Arrow being the main character, all of a sudden Cyborg's the main character for all of it. And then you're back to just Arrow again. You know what I mean? So it was just, that's what I think really stopped AEW's momentum. And because of that, because of trying to build up this old but new company again, a lot of guys got lost in the shuffle. And now you're going to see someone possibly like a Starks, like a Wardlow, like all those homegrown guys jump ship to see if the grass is really greener on the other side. They should have right. probably just funded ROH and like I had someone completely separate and, and leave it completely separate. Um, right. and I think that would have been a better approach and then use it as a feeder ground, like the old, you know, we're talking 97, right? WF ECW relationship where, yeah, they can bounce back and forth a little bit, you know, kind of who's funding it, but it's not present constantly on screen as it's like almost an equal promotion that they're running both. I bet Tony Khan, if he could have gone into a time machine, he'd have been like, you know what? Maybe I don't start AEW. Maybe if I wait long <laughs> enough, Ring of Honor will be available and I can get it pennies on the dollar. And then I can use an established brand and try to do something with it. But this is not the ROH podcast. We're talking about WWE Fastlane. Uh, there's plenty of ROH topics, both uh, uh, like across all of everywhere. Um but uh, getting oh, it back to back? fast. Oh, I'm sleeping. Sorry. I, know. I know. I tried to pitch it to you, and then all the everybody just jumped on the hot topic. Um, but I will pitch to you. Um, is there anything that you think didn't live up to expectations? I know we 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 talk so much here on Viewers Choice about like must watch and must skip. Is there anything? I know it's a very tight card, and it's hard to say that there's something that's not worth the time to go watch. But if you would think that there's anything, what would you think kind of didn't deliver on the expectations of you as a viewer going in before? 
Uh, as a whole, take out that Carlito return and surprise, so to speak. That match was just kind of heatless. It was off the heart opener. It was kind of slotted in a rough spot, and you had the two-on-three advantage. You knew something was happening, so you were just kind of getting like mindless heat that was just kind of going nowhere. It was really boring. So, but leading up to the Carlito pop, which was pretty well done, I would skip that match. Fast forward to the Carlito pop, and not to railroad over you guys about that, but just to jump to the women's match, it was like kind of the SummerSlam light, where had good moments, but it just felt off and clunky. It just felt that all girls were just not in sync. It just felt that they were beat off each other. They just felt out of rhythm. It, they just felt like they were receivers and quarterbacks kind of day one there a little bit. So it just felt that it was a tad off despite having good moments. I thought the finish was cool. Uh, you know, you, you anticipated Bailey coming down the whole time. So, you know, us smart, smart, whatever kind of hardened fans – Kind of saw hurt that that mat, those two matches were hurt by us foreseeing, uh, you know, things developing there. So, I don't know if you if if we had to go watch one, skip one between those two, Richie, what would you think? Uh, uh but the, the the I do agree with what you said about the LWO, um, the Almighty Profits match. Uh, just basically, I like that name. I I, I just I just. I just made it up. Uh, You're out here genius and baby. I love it. Plan seeds, plan seeds. But um, like, like, uh, like you said, the two on three, like it's compelling at points. Like uh, Zelina Vega got a good spot in there. Uh, it's just like, everyone's always going to anticipate for who's going to be the partner. You know what I mean? If uh, you don't like uh, put it in right away. So that the spots in the match aren't going to mean as much until you get to that last guy joining in there's actually a funny uh video they put on twitter of carlito just waiting backstage to get his music hit and then it's just like well i thought it like couldn't he just come out a little bit earlier Why are we showing it? yeah you know um uh the women's match uh, i wouldn't say skip but because they all they all of them worked hard the confusing thing for me about the women's match is there's no clear good guy or protagonist in this match to me at least when the story was being presented and it it just kind of got finicky like is eo sky trying to be like uh like separate herself from baby bailey so is she the baby face that but then you have charlotte saying that eo sky is kind of like taking her shine so is she trying to turn bailey baby face so it's the story just kind of got clunky and then oscar's kind of in there kind of being like a third wheel, but not really a third wheel because she's the former champion. It just kind of like just the storyline was just kind of. It's like a lot of characters in transition. It's it's, you're in a weird spot right now, Mm -hmm. which hurt the overall flow of the match. I think. Yeah. I I think for me, I'm I'm grading the two as like of based on expectations. My expectations for the six man were not very high. Right. But my expectations of an EO Sky, Asuka, Charlotte Flair triple threat match for the for a title are, are significantly higher. I, I think Charlotte really brought her a game, but I don't feel that the triple triple threats are sneaky hard. Right. It, it, it's the really good ones stand out because it was so like they just they hit everything. 
where most triple threat matches, of course, you, you find that formula of who's going to get out of the ring and then you make it to like a one-on-one, right? But I think Charlotte really brought it. And I just feel like Asuka and EO were just maybe like a half step. Like just, it didn't sync up. To me, that's a, a more skippable match because I'm more excited to see that match and I'd be more let down watching it and it not quite living up to that expectations where the six man, I can go on Twitter, I can see Carlito's back, Jack body guy, LWO's back to full strength minus bad bunny. And, you know, things are, things are cool, right? That, that match was, that match was a tweet, right? And, and the, the triple threat is something where like, even the story's a bit confusing where EO's like Bailey, I don't want Bailey at ringside. I have a plan, but then it is exactly Bailey. That's the reason why EO wins. And also the match with Charlotte being the towering, like she's the tallest girl and the strongest girl in the match. And she has to fight from underneath. So it just was a little bit confusing there. And I would like to see Charlotte in the future have a storyline that's not revolved around the championship because that's what I feel like she's always revolved around. Either she's in the title picture or she's not on TV. Yeah, because I I feel like she could do more dynamic storylines. It's just about like giving her that opportunity. Right. I think it's tough. I I think Logan, Logan asked the question of, of Charlotte's been, been a bit off in the return. I think until tonight, I think she was really good tonight, but I, 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 You'd never want to question somebody's motivation, but Charlotte has been like the focal point of the women's division since being called up and winning the, the then divas championship. You know, it is tough to stay creatively motivated and creatively satisfied when you have done everything. And while women have been showcased more. They they have definitely been showcased better than before. I think there's still long ways to go because WWE hasn't been able to show me. I I think you guys might've lost me there. I'm sorry. Um, I feel as though WWE has not found a way to showcase women in storylines that don't revolve the title. I don't think I've seen a single women's program that didn't revolve a title at Just all. Just Becky coming off of that. And then that's all I can really think of there. That's it. And it's Becky Lynch. Who's who's height of powers, right? Like she's got borderline, she's got borderline more, like male roster heat, you know? And so it begs the it, question it is, that's been around for a while. Like I know we talked about rig of honor at AEW, like take up like, should the women have their own world, right? Like, and that's not to say to, you know, because the thoughts always been, well, then that presents them as different. But no, it can be equally as good, right? But like, should they have their own a lot of time and own a lot of show? We saw they did one pay-per-view and it was awesome, right? But that's a small mm-hmm. sample size. So do they have the ability to book an all women's program? And you don't have to take them off of Raw or SmackDown. You could put one or two of the best, you know, top views or matches to showcase them on there, but then also give them their own 90 minutes or hour or two hour, whatever it is to also, 
you know, get a lot of more, a lot more time, have longer matches and use some of these feuds. They like, do that in NXT a lot of the times where yeah. it's not promoted as an all women show. They'll just book the matches and it's just, just so happens that all women are in those matches, yeah. you know? So I, I wouldn't like, be opposed possible. to giving them like a, 205 live style show or it's That's what i mean like like fo- in fo- let them say you know even if it's like a um like a breeding ground show whatever you know whatever whatever that show was called uh can't think of the word but like you know where they're um where they're cu- like it's the maybe not the top of the top but it's those that are fighting to get their way to like the title picture that kind of don't have that going on and maybe a becky or charlotte comes down i guess similar to what they're doing with the story in nxt with tiff stratton and becky right so something along those lines where they use the show um for for new women coming up or ones trying to get reestablished and trying to make their mark and they track wins and losses and stuff and you move you win it and you win the month or you win this whatever you go up to raw you get a title shot so there's other ways to get the the women in the mix tim to meet your goal of just oh we have a women smackdown women's title feud and a raw women's title feud and then here and there we have other matches but no major stories if right. i was triple h i'd say write me an email about it we'll talk later all right i'll get on it yeah. <laughs> um as we as we uh we're coming up on the hour here and i know everybody's got a nice sen- sunday morning of football uh lined up in front of them uh let's go around the horn who do you guys think is the mvp of uh fast lane we'll start with uh the king jp la Knight. He did what Ryan I said he needed to do. He needed to stand next to John Cena. John Cena needed to hit a move. LA Knight needs to be the one to get the pinfall, not John Cena. And then stand tall, John Cena. That's the image you want coming out of that show. And my alternative to John Cena versus Roman Reigns at Crown Jewel, I mean, uh, LA Knight is LA Knight versus John Cena in a respect match. And Knight mm-hmm. beats him, and Cena says, okay, you've done it. You know, now you've beaten me. We've won as a team. You've beaten me. Now you're ready to go be the man. That's what I would do at Crown Jewel. And, you know, Cena has said, I guess he said in the post press conference, like, once the strike is over, I'm out of here. I can't do both. Um, so maybe can you squeak by it and, and hope you get the Crown Jewel where he's still around? And then you have LA go over him. It's not a heel turn. It's nothing like that. It's just Cena says, you got one more thing before I give you the torch. You got to pin me. Right. Ryan, what you got? Yeah. MVP. Uh, I would go Cody Rhodes. He finally finished his story. He's a champion. But no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Cody Rhodes, <laughs> but just because he's able to continue a lot of stories and open up old stories and perhaps open up new stories. So overall, Cody Rhodes as a conductor of whatever to continue the flow of WWE TV. Nice. We started with you, Richie. We're going to bring it around to you. MVP of the night. What do you got? Uh, Seth Rollins. Uh, nice. He's done a great job uh, with the World Heavyweight Championship. He's not my favorite wrestler but it's you have to respect what he's done with probably an impossible situation of trying to make a a something championship that nobody gave a second look at into something with opponents that weren't necessarily necessarily built up the best and he still made that world heavyweight championship mean something and different from what you're seeing with roman reigns and i think he was the right guy to the, for the job and he's uh continuing riding the ride for sure. My jokey pick, Xavier Woods, coming through with pizza during the show. What a man. He's clutch. My real answer, L.A. Knight. Hottest reaction. Uh, yep. Got to rub shoulders with the, the king, the, the star, the greatest of all time, quote unquote. Uh, can't go wrong with uh, L.A. Knight as your MVP. Of course, this is just uh, the viewer's choice. The choice is always yours. 
Uh, a big thank you to JT and Richie and Ryan for joining us. Of course, you're catching us on the no. So uh, we have podcasts dropping all the time. We've got content dropping on the YouTube all the time. Subscribe wherever you can like the videos that you see on the YouTube. Uh, let us know what you guys want us to cover uh, in certain regards. JT, you can catch him on almost everything on the NOSO uh, YouTube channel, whether it's Wrestling War Zone, whether it's WWE War, whether it's No Holds Barred, whether it's uh, What If stuff. He, he's all over the board, and all of it is fantastic. Ryan, of course, is our, our guru with anything like main day, modern day WWE doing our, our hard-hitting pre-show analysis covering everything as well as steering that ship for Cronoso too. He's peppering in some of that. He's got salt for the modern day. He's got pepper for the old school, uh, keeping things going with Cronoso. And of course, Richie, I want to see, I, I'm very pleased with uh, everything you got. I want to see you around more often. Uh, the next time I'll be back here with viewers choice, uh, Marcus and I uh, will be for, I think it'll probably be um, crown jewel. Is it crown jewel? Did they say it was Crown Jewel? It's Crown Jewel. It's the new Saudi show. Uh, we got Saudi. We've got uh, Full Gear, and we've got Summer or Survivor Series back to back to back. It's going to be a fun time. Always something to cover on the No So Boys. Thank you so much for joining us. You all watching, whether you're on Facebook or YouTube, thank you for watching us as well. And uh, we will be back uh, right before you know it. But have a good night. Have a good weekend, and we'll catch you on the next one. Bye, everybody. <laughs>